Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, your award-winning Texas history podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wise. I appreciate you very much tuning in today for a little Texas history. Uh, This podcast is being recorded and released on the second day of 2023. So Happy New Year, everybody. I think that uh, 2023 is going to be a great year. I'm looking forward. We got a legislative session coming up, so I'll find myself in Austin. Uh, always looking for some more great Texas history stories. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and are starting 2023 with a bang. I want to put a bug in your ear for the upcoming Texas State Historical Association annual meeting in El Paso. It's March 2nd through 4th. So go to tshaonline.org and check it out. The TSHA annual meeting is always a great chance to gather and mingle with fellow Texas history lovers from all over the country. So give that a look. Uh, El Paso, of course, a very beautiful, very historic place and a very interesting place for this year's annual meeting. Speaking of interesting, today I want to tell you a story about a lady, uh, and I didn't know really anything about her. I stumbled onto a story about her, and it turns out she's another one of those uh, little-known Texas history characters that, are, that have had very interesting lives. So I want, to, I want to tell you about that. Her name was Oshita Briggs. Now, Oshita is spelled O-S-J-E-T-E-A. It's a Choctaw word, which means falling star. Uh, Oshita was born in Grossbeck in Limestone County in 1917. And uh, I'm going to use her first name, Oshita, rather than Miss Briggs, because it's beautiful, and it's a beautiful word, and it sets her apart. Oshita was uh, of Choctaw, Cherokee, and Kickapoo descent, and was very proud of her native heritage. More specifically, her grandfather was a member of the Kickapoo Choctaw tribe, which was a subset, uh, according to her, of the larger Kickapoo Indian tribe, sort of like uh, in some of the Indian trial episodes, we talked about the difference between Kiowas and Kiowa Apaches. So, uh, also, Oshita was cousins with the Plummer family. Now, this is where uh, we get into something that, that shows you just how uh, complicated Texas history can be. Rachel Plummer was captured in the same Comanche raid where Cynthia Ann Parker was captured at Fort Parker in May of 1836. Rachel and Cynthia were cousins, so Oshita was also a cousin to Cynthia Ann Parker although a little bit detached. Um, Oshita's older siblings, her mother and all her cousins, went to what was called the Kickapoo School. Oshita, though, did not. Uh, She went to um, public schools. She won her first essay contest in seventh grade, writing extemporaneously with no research and no preparation on George Washington. She loved history and obviously was a good writer. That win inspired her to continue entering the contest throughout high school. In her own words, Oshita said, quote, I always wrote better than I did anything else, but I never followed it as a profession until I came to Anderson County, close quote. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of the story. Oshita grew up, like so many did, in rural Texas in the early 1900s, largely self-sufficient. Oshita describes it this way, quote, there was no money. That was not bad, and looking back, it wasn't even bad to us then. 
We just learn to endure. Close quote. I think that's a great way to look at it. Uh, she claimed she grew up uh, and they raised some animals and among them some hogs. And she claimed never to eat hog meat because she had named all the hogs on the farm and considered them personal friends. Now, the lesson there, uh, as I learned from my uh, rural, rural part of my family, is don't ever name the animals. But uh, one day, her mother bought uh, sliced bacon at the grocery store because pre-sliced bacon back then was such a novelty. Her mother thought she had to have some. Oshita ate that bacon because her mother assured her it wasn't anyone she knew. For school supplies, uh, as she was growing up, Oshita and her siblings would take a dozen eggs, sell them for 10 cents, buy a big chief tablet for a nickel, and a pencil for another nickel. In other words, Oshida and her siblings did without food, without breakfast, so they could have school supplies. That's how seriously they took their education. There was honor in an education. The kids didn't want to go to school to play sports or be cheerleaders or anything like that. They went to school to work. Oshida describes one of her grandfathers, uh, a Choctaw, telling his children, which included Oshida's mother, that the children of that time had gone to pot. Now, this would have been uh, a grandfather speaking in the late 18th, or excuse me, late 19th century. The children of the time had gone to pot and that only education could save them. Uh, he also threatened his kids, including Oshida's mother, that if anyone brought any shame on the family or tribe, grandpa would personally take them to the woods and kill them with a bow and arrow. And it made an impression uh, the mother claimed, Oshida's mother told Oshida that they never did put him to the test because they just weren't sure. Oshida said this, quote, you may not have anything to eat, but you have much honor, close quote. And I'm putting these quotes in here, hopefully to make an impression and get you thinking and comparing those times to these. One other mildly amusing thing about her youth was that the family kept the hogs in the area under their house. That was the hog pen. Of course, uh, her older brother had the great idea to move the hogs under the house, put the chicken wire around it, and he in invented, essentially, the garbage disposal. Her older brother drilled a hole in the kitchen floor and installed a funnel. So all you had to do was pour the slop in the funnel. It went under the house. Hogs were fed. No problem. He did it so his mother wouldn't have to walk uh, out to the hog pen carrying a five-gallon bucket of slop. Well, Oshida gave an interview one time where she told a funny story that in those days, the school nurse would travel around the community and inspect the conditions in which the children were living to make sure everything was okay, etc. The, the actual nurse that worked for the school did that. She came to Oshida's house and was sitting in the kitchen when the pigs erupted and started squealing for food. And if you've ever heard Hungry hogs start to make noise. They kind of half grunt, half squeal. And uh, the lady apparently shot straight up out of her chair, scared to death. Um, Oshida's mother, of course, since the school nurse was there, was trying to make a good impression. Uh, but her brother had no qualms about bragging about the fact that the hogs were under the house. The nurse commented that it wasn't healthy, to which Oshida's mother said, quote, Oh, no, we haven't lost a hog yet, close quote. <laughs> So Oshida grew up tough, and it turns out uh, that she would need it. She graduated high school in Grossbeck and worked as a film retoucher, first in Dallas and then in Houston. Now, that's not an occupation you hear a lot about in these digital days, but film retouching was an art unto itself. She also took 
uh, an unpaid position as the associate editor, editor of the Houstonian newspaper, which is the student newspaper at Sam Houston State. In fact, Dan Rather uh, was the editor of that paper during his time at Sam Houston. So Oshita was working in both photography and writing. But early on in her adult life, she ran into a situation that would severely test her character. While working in Dallas, she was working in a photography studio, and she met a man as a retoucher, as I mentioned, met a man named J.W. Stokes. He became enamored with Oshita, to say the least, so enamored that he started stalking her. Now, this is 1938, and they didn't use the term stalker then, but Stokes was a stalker. Oshita wasn't interested, so that just made it worse, and... Uh, She was so um, nervous about things and so unable to control the situation, as so often happens, unfortunately. She quit her job in Dallas and moved to Houston. That did not deter Stokes. He would follow her from one town to another, as Oshita described it. She landed in Houston, began working at that photography studio in Houston and also uh, editing the paper I mentioned before. And this situation had created such a problem that Stokes' wife was attempting to divorce him. So on Oshita's 21st birthday in December of 1938, she went downstairs from her apartment to pick up a birthday cake for the party she was hosting for uh, her birthday and some friends in her apartment. She walks into the drugstore, and there stands Stokes. Flustered, obviously. She gets the cake. She goes upstairs. Stokes follows her. Unbeknownst to her, she uh, is lighting the candles on the birthday cake, and Stokes starts banging on the door. 21-year-old Oshita, scared for her life, grabs a pistol, shoots Stokes twice, which is a heck of a situation to be in on your 21st birthday. Stokes is taken to a hospital, His uh, estranged wife at his bedside, Stokes, succumbs to his injuries and dies that night. The police arrested Oshita for murder, but the grand jury recognized the situation and issued a no bill, which means no uh, charges were filed against her, and she was free to go. So at a fairly young age, Oshita had had an interesting and somewhat tumultuous life already. But demonstrating her strength of character, it did not deter her. She took up photography, traveling all over the world during the 40s, taking pictures. She won several awards and became uh, known around the world as a photographer. But that's not all. She also painted portraits. She decided to uh, move at some point during her photography career to Palestine, Texas, in Anderson County. She set up a photography studio there. The story goes that um, in Reagan Park in Palestine, Oshita liked the John Reagan monument that stands in that park. John Reagan was one of the early leaders of the Democratic Party in Texas and was postmaster general of the Confederacy. She became interested in Reagan and decided to paint his portrait. So she became a portrait painter. Uh, She painted three portraits, one that went into the federal building uh, in Anderson County and two that were in a museum. 
but she didn't stop there. She painted a portrait of uh, Texas Governor Thomas Campbell. She painted a portrait of Sam Houston. She also painted a portrait of Robert E. Lee. Uh, so she was certainly a woman of many talents. But recall the quote uh, I read for you earlier where she felt herself a better writer than anything else. Well, one day in uh, when she was in Palestine, the editor uh, of a weekly newspaper was talking to her and suggested that she go to Elkhart, Texas. Now, Elkhart is not too far away from Palestine, uh, down 287. He suggested, why don't you go to Elkhart and do a newspaper in that community? Because there wasn't a newspaper at the time. Oshita was doubting her ability to do this, probably for the first time in her life, but the editor that she was talking to offered to print the paper for her. In an interview she gave late in her life, she said uh, she felt very insecure because she didn't have a journalism degree, to which this editor replied, quote, who cares about a degree in journalism? Who will know the difference? Close quote, which I think is a uh, wonderful quote. Think about that one in uh, current times. So in 1963, 1964, 1965, uh, she published the Elkhart Eagle. Oshita recalls that one of the things that, that taught her, the paper became really successful, and she got invited to speak uh, to the Texas Press Association several times, which scared her to death. But she remembers that one of the great lessons she learned during that time was how to speak in front of people, uh, even though she lost money. Uh, she had a great quote that I really I think uh, will set the tone for many of us for 2023. Here's what she said. Money can be replaced, but that paper gave me experience. I think that's important for all of us to remember. The office of the Elkhart Eagle, by the way, was the corner table of a little restaurant in Elkhart where they ran a telephone line over there uh, and let her use the table as her desk and put her typewriter on. Well, something else came out of that. Oshita began writing a column in her weekly called, quote, Walk in My Moccasins, close quote. And uh, she won state, national, and international awards for that column. Now, I think about the time period and the civil rights time period, and here you have an entrepreneurial female Native American publishing a paper all on her own in a small East Texas town. That was significant, but that isn't enough. The column had to be quality, which it was. She was a great writer. Here's what she says about a writer or about her writing. Also a good lesson for us all. Quote, but I wrote simply, I wrote simply, if I couldn't spell a word, I didn't use it, close quote. That's some of the best writing advice I think I've ever heard. Oshita also became involved in politics. Um, she was always a delegate to her local political conventions. And of course, at this time in East Texas, that was all the Democratic conventions. At one convention in the 60s, uh, she was talking to none other than Lyndon Johnson. And she tells a funny story that Lyndon Johnson in, at that time wore rimless glasses and she thought they looked terrible. But she also noticed that when the press came around that he would uh, snatch those glasses off because he knew they weren't very becoming. And so the press started to walk up and they were talking in the convention hall. And she says, here comes the press. You better take your glasses off. So he grabs me and he snatched them off and hands them to her. And Johnson's a senator at this time. Uh, so they have a little press gaggle there with Lyndon Johnson. And uh, when the press leaves, uh, Oshita 
takes the glasses, wipes them on her skirt to clean them, hands them back and said, you really, these glasses uh, are not good looking on you. You really ought to get some horn rim glasses because it'll make you look smarter. Oshita, by the way, did not agree with Lyndon Johnson on darn near anything. Well, apparently that offended LBJ. And uh, so he said, uh, in response to her glasses comment, said, why don't you get your braids cut off? Because she wore the, the long uh, Native American braids. Well, that set Oshita off. She stomps off toward the refreshment table to a lawyer that she knew uh, that was standing there who happened to be standing there with none other than John Conley. And uh, so she's formally introduced to John Conley. And the first words out of her mouth are, according to her, quote, Mr. Conley, why don't you get you another job and quit being Lyndon Johnson's poodle dog, close quote. So Oshita must have been really mad. And Conley, of course, didn't think she was serious, uh, but she claims to have told him, uh, if you run for governor, I will shake every bush in East Texas for you. Oh, I got I need to go back. I made a mistake. This was in the 50s, not the 60s. But uh, So it was early in Johnson's career. Well, you know, Conley did eventually run for governor. And uh, the first call he made for East Texas was Oshita Briggs. Oshita claims LBJ never did forgive her for the glasses comment, but uh, that would uh, hold true to LBJ's personality, probably. Oshita wasn't done with politics, however. In 1966, she filed to run against the incumbent state representative for District 16, which was Anderson and Cherokee County in those days. Uh, unsuccessful, but fearless. So Oshita Briggs had an interesting life. Born poor, a poor Native American girl, in eastern Texas, growing up hard, facing adversity, including a violent episode late in her life. She went on to become world-renowned as a photographer, an artist, a newspaper publisher, and a writer. She left uh, an interview again late in her life uh, with a few quotes that I want to read, her, read to you. One says the following, quote, This is what's wrong with our world now. And people, children have too much too soon, close quote. Oshita would certainly know. She also described herself thusly, quote, I've been old all my life, close quote. Oshita Briggs was a great Texan. Now we come to the part of the episode I call Getting There, where I tell you to, how to see some of the things I describe in the episode. This episode doesn't really lend itself too much to that, but Oshita died in 2002 at the age of 84. She is buried in the Falconberry Cemetery in Grossbeck, Texas, that's east on uh, Highway 164, um, south side of the road, the Falconberry Cemetery. There's also a book that was published, a collection of her columns. The book is titled Walk in My Moccasins, which is the title of her column. And uh, it's a very interesting read. Oshita was an honest writer, a direct writer, and a good writer. And that's available. It's out of print, but it's available uh, if you just do a little looking. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Wise About Texas. Uh, as I've mentioned several times, um, 2023 is the bicentennial year of the Texas Rangers, so get ready for some Texas Rangers episodes throughout the year. Uh, follow us on social media at Wise About Texas, Twitter and Instagram, Wise About Texas Facebook page. If you want to support the preservation and promotion of Texas history, go to patreon.com slash wise about texas 
I'm going to be spending some time in Austin during the legislative session. If you're around Austin, uh, if you're coming to Austin, uh, it's a great time to come and see your capital, meet your representatives, and watch the process at work. Uh, shoot me an email, host at wiseabouttexas.com. Maybe we can meet in the capital. Thanks again for tuning in to Wise About Texas. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road. Mm-hmm.